You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is Doc G from Diversified.com. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? 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 Hey, Paul, isn't that my line? Well, Doc, we're going to change things up a little bit today. And this show is about community and this idea of having a conversation around the dinner table or saddled up to the bar at FinCon or Camp Fi and just having regular conversations. And our listeners are a big part of our community, but the problem is they don't always have a big platform to speak for. So what we're doing is we're allowing them to take over the podcast and share in the conversation. And we have four guests here today that do not produce content in the traditional sense that our typical listeners do. So I'm going to go around the horn real quick and have each of them give a quick introduction. Evelyn, do you mind going first? Not at all. Hi, I'm Evelyn. I'm a freelance artist writer from New Jersey, currently uh, getting back on track after a motor vehicle accident derailed me several years ago. I'm also a mother of two. Wonderful. Looking forward to having a deeper conversation about fire with you. All right, Tara, how about you? Hi, my name is Tara. I'm a nurse from Nebraska, and I'm one of the administrators in the Facebook group uh, RN to Wealthy. Wonderful. Did not know that. So looking forward to hearing more about that. Brett, how about you? Hey, I'm an endocrinologist, married to another physician with two very young children, and I consider myself a reformed spendthrift, and we live here over in Augusta, Georgia. Christy, how about you? Hi, I'm Christy. I currently live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I am one of the moderators on the Choose FI Facebook group. So, Christy, this was kind of a momentous weekend for the financial independence movement, and that's because the Playing With Fire movie came out. Uh, Have you seen it, and have you heard anything about it? I have not, but I have heard several people say that it was great who were at the launch party at Mr. Money Mustache's headquarters. So, I'm looking forward to watching it. Brett, have you heard about the hype about the movie, and are you planning to see it? Yeah, I I was a a belated Kickstarter. So I got my preview link in my email yesterday. And I'm trying to reach out to some of the Choose FI local group where I'm at to see if anybody wants to do a group viewing maybe this weekend or something. 
Tara, I know we don't yet know when it's coming out, but are you planning on getting a bunch of friends together to watch the movie? I am. I'm hoping to get a bunch of nurses together specifically to look into that and see if that's something they would be interested in. And Evelyn, plans in the future to see it? I'm very interested to see it. I'm in a unique place where I feel like I have uh, woken up to the importance of financial literacy. So I am very open to it. So tell us a little bit, Evelyn, about how you woke up to financial independence and financial literacy. Well, I wouldn't call myself financially independent yet. I think I really discovered how important it is to be financially literate through my own experiences, things that worked out, things that didn't work out. uh, A lot of things were learned the hard way, and I just feel that it's an important topic to find out more about it and to be able to make better choices where you first heard about it from, do you remember, was it a specific blog post or a podcast or a family member or friend who talked to you about financial independence? No, I think it's just this yearning. You know, it's a yearning that you have. You mentioned in the message to me that this is no stress fun. It's all about fun. And so that really hit me. And what it said to me was, it showed me that how much stress I have you know, about finances and how that gets in the way. And really what I'm thinking about uh, financial independence is, you know, that it's no stress. It should be when I'm at a place of no stress. Christian, was stress what brought you to learning about your finances and learning about the financial independence community? It was not. I've honestly never really had a worry about money. So, I would not say that that was a driving force for us. What brought you to learning about your finances then? We have actually been investing since we were teenagers, but we had just moved to Florida about two years ago. And my husband figured out real quickly that the corporate life was not for him. And we actually went to a business meeting in Texas that summer. And he kept hearing about all of these men who had time to spend with their families and be there for their kids for everything. And he said that that was exactly what he wanted in life. And probably two months later, we found the fire community. What was your first portal into the fire community? I believe I found the Mustachian Facebook group and they were a little too hardcore for me. (laughs) And Choose FI's Facebook group had kind of just gotten started. So I migrated over there and then I've been in both sense and have ate up every bit of information we could. Tara, was it the same for you? Did you find a portal like Mr. Money Mustache and then just start reading and delving deeply into the personal finance world? No, my financial journey started when I was quite a bit younger in my early 20s. I actually read David Bach's Smart Women Finish Rich, which one of the surgeons I work with told me that I absolutely had to read it and do everything it said. And so I did. And I met with a financial advisor and told him I wanted to retire at age 45. And he laughed in my face and said, no, no, just contribute 15% and you'll be way ahead of everybody else. And so I was just saving to save because it felt right. And about a year ago, I started to feel like I was saving too much and I was stretching myself too thin and I was starting to kind of give up on the path. And then another surgeon I work with said to listen to this Choose FI podcast. And then that's when I went down that rabbit hole and and realized that 
I wasn't um, just spinning my wheels to retire at 50 or 60. I was, you know, working this hard to retire as early as I had planned originally. Brett, did you receive some of those same messages when we talk about retiring at an earlier age than usual? People sometimes laugh or smirk, and certainly it's unheard of for physicians to stop working at an early age. What was your experience? Did you find this community through blogs, podcasts, or and once you did find it, how did people react? Stumbled down the rabbit hole, I guess. You know, I've heard about financial independence when I started reading the White Coat Investor book back in a couple of years ago, 2016. And, you know, I, I read about it in a chapter. It didn't really give it a second thought, just tried to be, I should say for retirement, that sounds like a good thing. And then it wasn't probably until another year or two down the, my own journey where, um, you know, I started learning about how financial independence can lead to early retirement if you want to as an option. And yeah, I also found the Choose FI podcast and the Facebook group would be very helpful. And, uh, you know, Physician on Fire and some of the other physician bloggers out there. And it started opening up my mind to possibilities of how you could design your life a little bit differently. You know, my background, I don't want to get too deep into it, but my parents are both physicians as well, uh, immigrants and, and both physicians. And, and my dad was a surgeon. And I know that he spent many hours in the OR and at the hospital and, and not, uh, you know, at home with, with the kids. So Something in my mind always growing up was, you know, can I create more time and more space to spend time with my family and my kids as they're growing up in those really s small times? It really makes a big difference. You know, Brett, when you talk about how to design your life, like that speaks so much to me right now because, like I said, I was spinning my wheels saving and saving with no real destination. And then after optimizing everything I could through all of the financial independence blogs and ideas and forums, now it's like, well... I could go part-time today and still be fine. I don't need to work this much, this hard, every hour of every day. And I can still save my money. I can still make progress, but I don't need to miss out on my small kids' lives. And at this point, like, what am I doing working so hard with small children at home? I should stretch myself less than and, and be home more and, and work less. And so that's kind of where I'm at in this financial journey is I'm kind of taking a, a step back and not spreading myself so thin at this point. And y'all are both talking about like your kids and wanting to be around for that. And me and my husband, we met in high school. So and we have always had a plan for me to be a stay at home mom. But once we found this community, our plans like quickly changed for both of us to be stay at home parents. So we wouldn't have to miss out on anything. And we're still a few years away from even thinking about kids. But that is our biggest driving force. Well, I can really relate to what you're saying, Christy, as someone who made that choice to work freelance at home and be that stay-at-home mom while my kids went to school. So I got to reap those benefits and really see my children grow up, and I wouldn't want to miss a minute of it. So I think it's something very important and something to think about seriously. Tara, I'm a little bit interested in hearing more about your scenario. Christy and Evelyn just shared that they basically changed their schedules to design their lives to be around their kids more. If I understand correctly, did you back down to part-time work as a nurse? Yeah, I went from 40 hours to 30 hours recently. And just having that extra space, not necessarily to be with my children during that time, but to do all the things that make me crabby and get them out of the way. I get my laundry done. I get my cooking done. I get everything in my household ready to go. So when they are with me, it's 100% to be with them and not be thinking about 
are all the other work that I need to be doing in the home and, and getting back to work and waking up early and all those other awful things. And am I correct that is probably delaying your early retirement timeline by doing so? Is that a fair statement? Not necessarily oh, because okay. by learning all of the tricks of the FI movement and mm-hmm. getting my husband on board with that and having him feel the progress that we've made, we're able to optimize our lives in a way that I don't know that that number is going to change for us at this point. Brett, as I hear Tara talk, I want to hear what the rest of you guys have to say about where you are right now in your career path. Are you working full-time? Are your plans to continue working full-time? Are you using some of those financial independence optimizations to be different than everyone else? Right now, we're in a big transition in our lives. We're changing jobs this summer, but uh, I'm full-time and I'm transitioning to still a full-time position. My wife transitioned to a part-time like about 0.6 FTEs, or that's about three days of the week. And uh, she'll be moving probably around to you know, uh, four days a week next this coming summer. But it's been a tough decision, you know, when you are making these transitions and you're looking for new opportunities and, and work, you know, so it's, am I looking for something that's part-time potentially? But right now, the plan is to stay full-time for now and uh, to keep, you know, plowing away in, in terms of savings to try to you know, reach that FI and that FI number maybe in the next, you know, 10 years or so. I just want to think when I wanted to go part-time, the word professionalism came up so many times. How to be a professional. You go to those extra meetings because it's professionalism. You stay late and work longer clinics because it's professionalism. And that's where I got just so fed up with the program. Why am I doing all of this extra work for no benefit for my personal life, for my family? And I want to know how Doc G dealt with that as far as when he went back on his hours. And how do you think you're going to deal with that? Because that was the biggest stopping point for me where I just felt inadequate and unprofessional because I wanted to get paid for 30 hours and I wanted to work 30 hours. Yeah, I'll start by saying it is a difficult decision, especially I think in healthcare, especially as a physician or nurse, because a lot of times we define ourselves by our profession. So it's not the easiest thing to pull back. For me, it took years of knowing I was financially independent yet still not pulling the trigger. So I realized I was financially independent, you know, five, six years ago, had to think very seriously about what I thought my purpose and identity were, realized that I had become somewhat burned out with medicine and realized that I could let myself off the hook and pull back from medicine and not feel like I was letting go of who I was. Uh, But it wasn't an easy process for me. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of blogging. This is after years of writing about medicine and for the last year and a half writing about finances where I've built up the reasoning and understanding. I've held myself accountable enough to be able to walk away at least somewhat and still feel good about what I'm doing. But it's taken time. And Brett, for you, is it the same thing? Especially, I mean, you have surgeon parents and immigrant parents. I'm sure this idea of taking your foot off the gas pedal is not something they necessarily want to hear. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they worked up into their 70s. You know, or, my mom, she actually had a little self-employment gig going on uh, where she kind of served the immigrant population in New York as well. And uh, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I think the pulling back is really tough, but you have to try to find those opportunities where you can take them. But there's a lot of risk involved, I think. You know, if you step away, Doc G, as you know, you know, you, there's patient contact hours that you need to stay relevant. And if you, 
you take a mini retirement for six to 12 months, you know, maybe your licensing or certification can be affected and it may not be really easy to jump right back into the workforce. I think part-time work for us, I think serves a good purpose in order to keep those skills. So I think a a semi-retirement might be in the future, maybe. Christy, do you get some negative feedback from family and friends because of your choices? Do people not understand when you talk about not working and then maybe your husband not working in the future? Yeah. So right before we moved to Florida about two years ago, we were at my aunt's 80th birthday and she's still working. My cousins, one of them is a pharmacist and her sister is going to physical therapy school right now. So she's in grad school and I've never had the like career driven attitude like that. I said at that point that I was just planning on being a stay at home mom and they just kind of looked at me with disgust and they're like, and on the drive home, I remember calling my husband and I was like, is that okay that I just want to be a stay at home mom? And he was like, yeah, why wouldn't it be? And I said, well, they didn't make me feel like that was a good enough choice. And he was like, who cares what they say? He was like, she might make $130 an hour, but she's always miserable every time I see her. And I don't want that for you. And at that point, like I knew that our decision was perfectly okay with our family. And like I said, that was before we even found this movement. Evelyn, talk a little bit about where you are on your career path right now. So I'm in a very interesting place. So I have uh, one daughter in college. I have another daughter who is a high school senior who's going to be going to college in the fall. My uh, joke to people is my youngest daughter is graduating from high school and I'm graduating too. (laughs) So I am graduating from, you know, all the volunteering I've been doing, all these committees I've been running and sharing, all the things that I do to help everybody, you know, and keep all the schoolwork and everything on task. So it's very interesting that in the fall, I will, you know, be figuring out what am I doing after graduation. Brett, as Evelyn speaks, I'm thinking that for a lot of people, financial independence is like a graduation. And that always leaves the next question of, well, what do you do next with your life? What do you think you'll do, Brett, when you hit that number, you feel comfortable financially? Will you keep working? What will you do with yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I don't know if I've suffered from that one more year syndrome or not, but it's really tough to let go. And especially if you do take that step out, we talk about it, it might be really hard to get back in. But you know, if when you hit that FI number, if I do, you know, I think that, of course, it gives you the options and the freedom to, you know, if your schedule want to, you want to go down in that schedule, or you like some of the other, I, I do mostly outpatient, but so I have typically a Monday to Friday, nine to five, and, and I shouldn't complain about that. But I know that some people come back off the overnights or the weekend calls and, and whatnot. But you know, what am I going to do? I, I feel like I really enjoyed the social mission episode you guys put out recently. And I think that's really important. I think when you get to that next level and that you have that increased bandwidth with to think, uh, what do you do with your time? And then Dr. G, like you say, in terms of, you know, that purpose, you know, as part of the identity and connection, you know, by being able to give back, I think that's super important. So whether it be in your local community to your family, where do you invest that time? It's a, you know, very big question, but it, it's something that, you know, fills uh, some of my, my thought process now is, you know, wh- where do I want to, you know, put that time where I invest it, where uh, I'm contributing back to the community and maybe even 
taking some time to contribute back to myself? Do I go back to school and take, you know, basket weaving or something like that to make myself feel, you know, do better? Or I don't know how to do anything with my hands. I'm very, uh, I can't do anything around the house. I'm useless, basically. So do I maybe volunteer at a Habitat for Humanity for a little bit? and learn how to use my hands or from somebody from face to face instead of maybe from, instead of from YouTube, connect with people and learn a skill that I might not have had. Tara, you look at the bank account and not only are you financially independent, you are fat fi. What do you do tomorrow? I would still go to work, <laughs> but it'd be on my terms. It would be on my schedule. It would be not working the late clinic or the weekend clinics. I love taking care of children. And I, I feel a true calling for that, but I'd like it to be on less hours. That would be what I would do. And then I, we would just take a lot more vacations. We absolutely love where we live. We love the community we're in. And so we wouldn't do any road schooling by any means, but we would definitely take more vacations. Christy, same question to you. Uh, what does life look like post-financial independence? So I currently volunteer at the local elementary school and I mentor a little girl there. So I would like to do more of that. And we also would love to eventually lead like a financial independence lesson at the local high school and teach the young adults about financial independence and just more financial literacy at that point too. So Evelyn, I'd like to transition a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the podcast. Can you remember how you heard of the What's Up Next podcast in the first place? I really can't. I'm assuming it came from your uh, Doc G postings. So she's talking about the Diverse right, Five the, blog. Yes, yeah. yes. That's my personal blog. Uh, and I do post and cross post with the podcast episodes. Brett, can you tell me, or if you remember, did you hear of us through Facebook or did you, were you following that blog before? Do you remember how you first heard one of our episodes? I think I've seen you post before on some other social media groups. I think you must've been a guest on another podcast I was listening to and you probably know better which podcast you were on, but your messaging was on point, you know, when I was at that time where I was, you know, when you talked about purpose, identity, connection, it's branded in my mind. I, I think about it very often. So I identified so much with a speech that Doc G gave at Camp FI in Minnesota. It was such a compelling speech about just getting to know your patients and connecting with them on a personal level. And so then I immediately was like, I need to be friends with this guy. And so <laughs> then I started to see you cross-posting the podcast, and that's when I started listening. So Tara and I were both at the Camp Five Midwest, and I was not one of the speakers for that event, but I was working on a speech. I work for a speakers bureau, and I was working on a speech for a medical conference, and so they were kind enough to let me practice my speech at the Camp Five Midwest. So we had an empty open hour, and... I gave this talk that I had been preparing and it was really great because I don't know if, if you give any talks, it can obviously be quite nerve wracking. And it was such a friendly audience that I knew that if I messed it up or made it sound horrible, that there were friendly faces in the audience. And I cannot tell you how enjoyable it is to be able to practice giving a talk with a friendly audience who is just kind of there to listen. And I'm sure if I had messed it up completely, they would have been kind and helped me, et cetera. I think I did a reasonable job, but it was really nice having that audience. It was the only speech at the camp that got a standing ovation. 
I don't know if you remember that. (laughs) It was a really good talk. Um, And it does, it puts into perspective, like why would I want to go and become fat fi and still work? I love talking to patients. I love taking care of kids. Why wouldn't I go back to work the next day? I love doing it, but on my terms, on my hours, don't make me go to another meeting on hand washing. I will just lose it. So I need to learn how to control my speaking with my colleagues and my administration and just be joyful and happy and, and see my patients and go home, you know, and that's, that's what I would do if I had the space and the financial backing to do it. One thing that I found is that post financial independence, especially while you're working, that your attitude at work changes so much. So all that corporate politics or shop talk or whatever there is is going on. It just rolls right over you because you know, you don't need this place. You have a few money. You could just walk out whenever you want to. And it makes you want to stay because you just kind of just somehow eschew all the bad parts. That's kind of where my husband is right now. He definitely does not like his job. And he <laughs> told me the other day, Actually, he texts me like multiple times a day asking if he can quit already. And I have told him for months at this point, I'm like, go ahead. There's no need for you to be this miserable when we would be okay because we do have that FU money. And quite honestly, like his job and the other employees are not used to having that. So it would be kind of a shock if he just went in and quit. But he also does not need to keep putting up with this BS that they're putting him through either. And that's kind of where we are right now as I'm trying to get him to quit his job and not deal with that. Evelyn, Christy brings up an important point, and I I felt this sometimes too, as much of a boon to my life, financial independence and personal finance has been. Occasionally, there are some negative feelings, and I hear this a lot, that once people learn about financial independence, all of a sudden, they really get itchy to leave their jobs. Do you think there are any downsides to learning about personal finance and financial independence? Does it put a new sense of stress on us? I personally haven't found it does. I think it's such an important arena to be part of, to learn about, to know about. I am trying to learn uh, as much as I can. I feel like I'm kind of making up for lost time. I have worked those jobs where you put in marathon hours. I've worked for companies where you were an employee and you were expected to put in those extra hours. And if you left on time, you were looked at less than and you were the employee who did not get the raises if you left every day on time. So it really was expected to you to give up a big chunk of your life for those kind of jobs. I'm happy to say I am no longer in those kind of jobs, you know, and I've decided when I went uh, the freelance route to kind of find my own path. So uh, that's been a, a big motivator for me to kind of create my own life and try to follow through on my path and my passions. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. 
It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later... We'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week. These are chef prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. For Paul and I, a big reason for doing this podcast is to actually have those conversations because I think it can be difficult when you're going through this and you're reading blogs and you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. It's nice to hear real people having real conversations about what to do next. Brett, I know you mentioned the social mission episode. Is that the one that's had the most impact on you? Just as a funny story, you know, one of the other episodes you guys did was the, um, was it maybe the physical fitness or health? And then I went on a tangent in the comments section and I started posting all these random comments about, you know, I started Googling, like, um, how do we, this is a funny way, you know, funny way of saying it, but increasing longevity risk by living well, you know, through diet and exercise, you know, what percent of American, adult Americans are exercising recommended amount or sleeping the recommended amount. And the one the recommendation that stuck out to me jumped off your podcast and I started looking it up. It's like ten percent of, of U.S. adults are eating enough, you know, the recommended fresh fruits and vegetables. It's only ten percent, so ninety percent of us don't get that five a day serving or what it was. So after I read that, I counsel patients all day about this. I'm an endocrinologist, you know, weight and hormones and all that stuff. They they come in for all that, and and I didn't know that fact. And then after that, I took a thirty day challenge to myself to eat uh, the recommended amount of five servings of fresh fruits and vegetables. 
And I'll tell you, it was really hard. Like it's, you need to make a mental effort every single day, you know, at meals and in between meals to get all those servings. And at the end of those 30 days, you know, again, from based on your episode, at the end of those 30 days, like I felt great. And I, I went down, it wasn't the purpose not to go down in weight, but I ended up losing a couple of pounds here and there that I put on during our, uh, I guess it was a sympathy weight. We have a two month old now. Right. So I put on a little sympathy weight and uh, man, I, I feel amazing, you know, and, and it's kind of a, a routine that I've kind of stuck with even up through those 30 days were over. So, I mean, you've had lots of great episodes. Social Mission was one of them. And I'll tell you some of my other favorite ones right now is, you know, how to raise you know, with two young kids. How do you raise children that are uh, financially, you know, minded? They don't act the way I did when I was younger, basically. How do I teach kids to not be like me when I was younger? So that was a great episode, as well as the immigrant and the black personal finance. I think that was great. Tara, the same thing for you. Was there a particular episode that really spoke to you or a particular panelist that you really identified with? I think Jillian at Montana Money Matters has been a very influential speaker just because she's got small kids at home and talking about how there's, one of her quotes was, there's an expiration date on this moment. I mean, I have a little five-year-old boy. He's a delight to be with. The crazy things that he says, and I don't want to miss that. And so hearing that there's an expiration date on these moments makes me, again, step back a little bit, take some space, not work myself to the bone, and take some extra time to spend with these young kids before they really start their school days. And so that has been one of the most compelling episodes that I've heard because of you know, will financial independence make me happy? No, because my babies will be gone. And so I want to take this time now to, you know, continue to optimize, continue to save, but make those little tweaks to make sure I'm available for them so that they're here when I'm here. And then when they're out of the nest, then things will change. Jillian has this way of taking these big, important, incomprehensible ideas and fitting them into nice, simple, straightforward sentences. And it's, it's mm-hmm. mind-blowing the way she does it because it has such impact. She says things in such a straightforward way, and you realize that she's come to that after a lot of thought. And she has this concise way of taking really important concepts and making them understandable. It was a real pleasure having her on the podcast. Christy, how about you? Was there any episode that specifically spoke to you or any panelist that you really identified with? So this morning, I actually went back and reread it about the, or re-listened to it, the how could a career transition impact your path to five. And like I said, my husband's really struggling right now, and I keep telling him that we'll be okay, but I wanted him to hear that, to know that he needs to take that leap of faith and that he can do so much more for himself than he is currently doing for his company and that he just needs to believe in himself. One of the things I loved about that episode is, you know, like Wendy Juvenile Mays, for instance, stepped away from a very high paying career and she went into real estate and podcasting and knew she was taking a big pay cut. But in the end, it was never about the income. And that's something that's really hard to remember. And I think she really drove that home. As much as you worry about the drop in income, there are ways to make up for that. And so I am sure there are people out there who have left their jobs and taken a lower paying job and are sorry for it, but I don't think you have to be. And that's kind of what I've told my husband. And it's funny, I was listening to it at such on like two times speed. So I didn't even realize till like 40 minutes in that Bobby was actually one of the panelists. And I just told my husband the other day, I was like, do you know how much money 
millennial money man had before he quit his job. And he was like, yes, Christy, $3. I was like, he would be fine (laughs) if you would just believe in yourself and take that jump. Evelyn, for you too, were there any specific episodes that spoke to you or any panelists specifically that you identified with? Well, I loved many episodes. I haven't listened to them all, but a few that really stuck out with me were the ones that really asked, you know, tough topics when you talked about the loss and then you had another one that had about people dealing with physical injuries and how they deal with you know, finances and living with injuries. I think that you took on those serious conversations, really hit me, really touched me. I found them very meaningful. I found them very relatable. I just, you know, love that they were handled with such thoughtfulness and respect. So it really made for, you know, an interesting uh, listening and I think very uh, important listening. You know, just to be aware what other people are going through or just, you know, just having this respect and understanding. I totally agree. That was my second favorite episode. As I said earlier, me and my husband have been together since high school. And when we met, we had lost three of our four parents by the age of 16. And that is, again, another huge driving force of five for us. But just hearing like that and what these people went through to lose their spouse because truthfully like my spouse is literally all I have left and it was hard for me (laughs) to like even think about that but I know that those are tough conversations that we have had and continue to need to have. That was a very important conversation for me because it is my story too. My father died when I was eight years old and my mother was left to deal with the finances on her own. And as Paul will tell you, I started getting choked up towards the end of the episode and threw everything out of order and we had to slay something back in because I didn't allow him time to ask the last question. So it's a big, big topic and it affects a lot of us. I know both Paul and I, I think, did go ahead and buy the In Case of Emergency Binder. I've actually been working on it for the last two weeks. To us, that was a really important one. So I'm glad you guys both mentioned it. Brett, I'm going to put you on the spot a little. We like to ask all of our panelists what conversations we're not having. Are there any topics you're looking at out there and you think we should be handling on the podcast that we haven't come to yet? did come up with something, an idea. So potentially something almost like what we're having now with, with some of the like unknowns out there in the FI community and stealth wealth. There's a little bit of a representation bias where we see all the, the bloggers and the podcasters out there, but who is living that FI life and what's it look like for people who are non-represented out there on social media? I think it's a wonderful idea because our community is much larger than the influencer, bloggers, podcasters that represent and are on these episodes that we have. They all serve a purpose, but I, for the longest time, was a consumer of all this material and I would have liked to talk about my story, if only to get some feedback on my particular story. One thing I've thought about, and this is something that I've toyed with for a while, is actually doing the equivalent for FinCon called FireCon or something like that. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm not sure I'm prepared for all that work. But the idea is that I want to connect with more people who are, like you would say, the average Joe and Jane out there that are listening to this and applying these lessons to the lives of real people who aren't running blogs. And how could that influence their life, refine their path so that they can design their life the way they want to? 
Tara, I'd ask you the same question. Anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like is ripe for a conversation? I feel like there's a lot of physicians in the FI movement. I don't see a lot of nurses in the FI mm. movement. And we're here, we're hanging out, we're just not making as much. And we also tend to shift our schedule and our income based on our family needs. And so we are kind of put at a little bit of a disadvantage with how we are able to accumulate our wealth. But I would love to see a nurse panel that is making reasonable income and how we're able to save that and optimize that. I know they've talked to a few nurses that are out on the West Coast making over 100000 a year. That's not us. That's not the Midwest. You know, our nurses are starting about $28 an hour. So we need to be thinking about how would someone at that pay rate with those hours get to FI? You know, you think about daycare and children responsibilities. When you work a 12 and a half, 14 hour shift and you are a two income family, that is brutal. And so I really like to see how nurses are able to optimize their lifestyle, their finances to get into the FI movement and to make progress. Yeah, Paul, that is an episode I think we will definitely do. And I think there's an interesting angle about that too, is nurses have to do a lot of the same or exactly same difficult things that doctors have to do. So yes, doctors and nurses make different types of decisions, but the dealing with people day in and day out and having to make difficult decisions and dealing with grief and loss, and yet there's a big difference in pay. And I think that's something worth talking about. And I imagine at some point we will do that panel. Christy, same question to you. Are there episodes you think you haven't heard that need to be discussed? I think just in the FI community in general, you know, we talk about second gen FI and all of that, but there's not much talk about like inheritances and windfalls and those sorts of things and how to not blow it. So I think that is something that could be touched on as well. You know, I like that because it's kind of getting the lottery. Uh, You're not equipped for it, right? If you don't earn the money yourself, you treat it like monopoly money. It's our nature for some reason to do it that way. Some people even treat money in their 401k that way because they don't feel like they really earned it because they can't touch it for a long time. Yep. So I would love to touch on that. Me and my husband have had a lot of conversations about that. And I'm like, there's nothing like in the community that talks about that. And I guess I don't really feel comfortable like putting myself out there talking about it. Evelyn, anything we're missing? Any topics that you're dying to hear on the What's Up Next podcast? Well, I've written some down. I do like what uh, Christy just mentioned. I like the idea of talking about choices, you know, good and bad, how to handle them. So I kind of like that, hearing more about that. Also, uh, I guess this one is a little more uh, personal to me about college choices. You know, private, public, state, does it really matter? You know, does it correlate to financial success or not? Yeah, I like that one because we've touched on that one, but uh, that's just such a big subject and it keeps changing. I think going to continue to change over time as college gets, ironically, is getting more and more expensive, the actual return that we're getting from those educations is diminishing. So how do you solve for that, right? So I'd like to turn this conversation a little bit towards, based on all the information that you've gathered from this podcast and probably a variety of other sources, including blogs, what is y'all's personal investing philosophy? And you don't have to go into a lot of details about amounts of money, but I'm curious, what is the investing strategy that you deploy? Evelyn, do you care to share? I break it down into two words, spend some, save some. And I try to keep it very simple. You know, I think there's a place 
you know, for investing and savings, but I think there's also an important place to enjoying and spending some. And when you invest, what kind of investment have you selected? Well, we have some funds, you know, we do the max on my husband's 401k and uh, I'm trying to figure out what else. That's part of the journey, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Christy, how about you? Have you guys decided on a investing strategy that works best for you? So my husband worked at Nike for a while, like six years. So he's got a bunch of Nike stock. And then I actually fired my financial planner about four months ago. So I'm currently trying to figure out what will be best for me and how to move forward self-managing. And then we also have a few investment properties as well. And we want to continue to build our real estate portfolio. Ah, another a fellow real estate maven. All right, Brett, how about you? Do you care to share? What is the strategy that works best for you and your family? I've only been investing, you know, the last maybe four years or so. So really uh-huh. relatively new to it. And we try to keep it simple, aka I'm, I'm still just learning and experiencing it. But yeah, I really keep it to like just a, a two to three fund portfolio, just like m- most of the Bogleheads. You know, I would like to, I, everybody talks about real estate, but I'm, I'm probably just uh, maybe too, too scared right now and maybe don't have enough time to get into it. But that's something I'm, I'm looking into learning about even if I don't pull the trigger. But like they said, no called strikes, right? So you can just keep watching it pass by. That's right. It's a really good analogy because you don't have to go do an investment strategy that you're not ready for too soon. I agree with that. Tara, how about you? Care to share what your tactics are for getting to fire sooner? Uh, Our current strategy is just to max out all of our tax savings accounts. That's been our big focus over the last few years. And then also trying to build up a travel agency that I have from home and eventually do some house hacking and some rentals once our kids are a little older and they aren't so miserable when we look at houses to buy. That was pretty brutal for a while going house to house with small children looking to (laughs) purchase rental properties. So we decided to pause that idea until they're a little older and either can entertain themselves or be more included in the process. Yeah. Door knocking is effective, but I have almost been arrested door knocking before. So you (laughs) definitely need to be careful about that strategy. So doc, I'm curious, what episode was your favorite? So I have to say, hands down, this is my favorite episode. And the reason why is we have our listeners here, and this is the stock of who we're talking to most of the time. And financial independence, while we have these great talks with people who have platforms and people who write tons of content, that's actually not what most of the financial independence movement is made of. It's made of you and I and everyone else who wants to live a better life and who wants to optimize, wants to spend more time thinking about how do I become a better person? How do I find that purpose, identity, and connection? How about you, Paul? What was your favorite episode? My favorite episode was our first one because I'm a big believer in doing something and getting started because the first thing that you do, the decision to do something is the hardest. And once we got on it and started kind of getting our momentum, I really feel like it took off and it was nice that we are, we knew all three of our first guests and it gave us the confidence like, you know, we, we can do this. That actually wasn't that hard. We had a lot of fun. And I feel that same way about my first investment. The, the best investment I did was the first one I did because I actually did it. Yeah. And our first podcast was like investing in VTSAX. We couldn't go wrong because we had Chad Carson on and we had Gwen, fiery millennial, and yeah. we had Miss Mizuma, Bianca, and we pretty much could have 
said nothing and they would have made us sound good. It was a real bonus to have them on first because they were all just so good that we could let them run. And it was a nice way to start the podcast. Y'all are talking about how important it is to hear other people who aren't necessarily the bloggers and stuff in the community. And that is, we're actually going to Camp Fi in Texas in October. And that is like what I'm most excited about is for my husband to, like my husband's totally on board with fire, but he just feels like everyone's a blogger. (laughs) And I'm excited for him to see that that is not the case and that there is just regular old people in the grind doing it. Yeah, that's where Paul and I met was at the Camp Five Midwest. And we went to what the Camp Five Midwest and the Camp Five South last year. And the Camp Five Midwest, everyone was actually a blogger there almost. (laughs) They were a huge number of content producers, but not at the Camp Five South. And I will tell you, those are life changing events. You have to hand it to Stephen Boyer and Bianca, Miss Mazuma. They put this together and do such a great job. Paul and I are both very big fans of these events. I tried to get him to the one in Gainesville, you know, the Southeast one at the beginning of the year, because it's only an hour and a half away from us. And I kind of sprung it on him with like two weeks notice. And my husband is very much an introvert. (laughs) And he was not having that with that quick of a short notice. So I couldn't get it. But That's why I'm so excited for him to see because I truly feel like it's going to be life-changing like for both of us. Yeah, it was life-changing for me and I was already bought into the financial independence conversation. So I think at any level from someone who is a reluctant spouse to someone who's been reading these blogs for years, they're really, really great events and I, I highly suggest them. It is such a good experience. It's the coolest people. They are saving money and trying to live their best life. And they want everybody to do the same. And it's so thought provoking to be in a table of people who are saving money, making money, but then being kind and generous and wanting the best for you too. It's just such a different persona of people that you'll never experience other than at a table with different FI folks. It's just it's such an experience. So Tara, we had an episode about whether people should show up to meetings, meetups, gatherings, et cetera. And we had John from Fire Up the Couch, and he had convinced his wife, Sarah, to go to FinCon uh, on their anniversary. So, Tara, you are not alone. We dubbed this episode Listener Takeover. So I wanted to give each of you guys a chance to ask us questions before we wrap up. So, Brett, I'll start with you. Any dying questions for Paul or I about the podcast or about either of us? Well, I think you guys started to talk a little bit about it, but I, I kind of want to hear the how you guys met each other. I think you just talked about where he was, but how did that collaboration happen? And, and what was the thing that said, we have to do this podcast, or at least we're going to try? You know, who knows what's going to happen? We should try. What was that like? It's funny, because if you ask me or Doc, you'll get a slightly different answer. So here's my version of it. So Doc and I met at Camp 5 Midwest, the one Tara attended. It's the first time that we had ever met face-to-face. And I'd never actually heard of Dr. G before. I was like, who is this? Is he a rapper? I mean, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, but he's really cool. And I heard his speech and we just uh, really clicked, just good friends. And then was it two weeks later that they had the Camp Fi in Arkansas, which is where I'm from. And it was Camp Fi South. And so we were both speakers at that one. And so we got to connect there. And then wasn't, but maybe two or three weeks after that, that there was FinCon in September in, I think it was Orlando, right? And 
So we hung out there a bunch and kind of going into FinCon, we were talking about, I'm wanting to do some sort of a podcast. And so David Boyer runs a website called Biology. And I was thinking about maybe taking that and turning it into a podcast. So I've been talking with him and then he said, well, why don't you, you know, team up with Doc G? Well, yeah, that's a good idea. So at FinCon, we went into it thinking we want to do a podcast, but what format? And Tanya Hester had a presentation at FinCon that talked about how to do podcasts and some things to think about. And she's a very astute writer and just an interesting person that really has a lot of good thoughts. And one of the things that she said is, you know, find a format that somebody else is not doing. One of the later sessions, they were talking about this, what's it called? The Playing with fire, healthcare, I can't remember. Yeah, playing with fire, that's what it was. Okay, so then they had the a meeting that was a kind of a round table deal with a lot of the A-list bloggers up there. And we were talking about the playing with fire documentary. And while they were talking, I was thinking to myself, why is this not a podcast episode? And that kind of clicked with me. It's like, you know what? I wonder if we could pull that off and do a podcast with this round table conversation style. And that's kind of how it clicked. And then it wasn't like a month later, we did our first episode. And my story is similar. The only thing is I had two people whispering in my ear that kept telling me I needed to do a podcast. One was David Boyer from Phiology, Stephen Boyer's brother. Stephen is the Camp Fi guy. And also Dave from Accidental Fire. And both of them kind of kept on saying, hey, you really need to do a podcast. And so I think everything coalesced and Paul and I saw each other enough at that time. And another follow-up question to that is, so it sounds like you guys both went to a lot of meetings at your meetup, but what was you know, when you go to one, is one enough? Or why two? Why three? And did you make time in your schedules? How did you get away to do that? So for me, I would say that one is great, but you make these relationships when you go over and over again. So I like the meetups. I like listening to the lectures. I like seeing the panels. But more than that, it's really the interacting with people. So when you go to one or two or three, sometimes you see the same people over and over again and form deeper relationships with them. Or sometimes you just see someone at one event and then you don't see them again until the next event. So I can tell you, I met a lot of people at Camp Fi Midwest that I now interact and collaborate with on a regular basis. Same with FinCon. The second question was, how do you do it? I think you kind of work your schedule. Certainly it's easier for me, right? So I'm in what I call a half retirement. I've pulled back on my clinical time. My kids are 11 and 14, so they're a little bit older. So it's it's not as hard to jump out of town. The Camp Fies, for instance, are start on a Friday and end on a Monday. So it's a four-day weekend. I think if you can convince your spouse to come, that helps. Or if you can even, some people do bring their kids and so their spouse and their kids might spend some time out while they're at meetings and then come back and talk and meet everyone. So if you can include family, I think it's wonderful. And I think that's a good way to try to integrate. If you can't do that, then local meetups also are a good idea. If you can find a Choose FI meetup in your area or a Rockstar Finance meetup. Paul, how about you? What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a big, big believer in going to meetups, whether they be local or you travel for them. I go to something between six to 10 conferences or meetups that that I travel to every year. And it has been a personal goal of mine to go to at least six for the last three years. And I can say of nothing else, but that has contributed to my trajectory towards financial independence faster because you are the average of the people you spend your time around. So I go and try and find interesting people to have good conversations with. And that alone is worth the money to me is almost irrelevant. 
I travel hack to, to make it as efficient as possible. But I mean, someone's talking about $800 to go play basketball. That's a, it's a funny way to think about it. But I heard that Chad Carson was going to be going to Midwest and I've been tracking him for a while. I'm a real estate guy. And I signed up and I said, I'm going to go just see meet Chad Carson. Well, now Chad Carson and I are friends. He's been on my podcast. I mean, on my other real estate podcast. That was intentional. I want to be around people who I, I'm impressed with that improve my life. I totally agree about that. Like I go to our local Jack's Rhea meetups and that was one of my points to my husband was like, you know, every other Tuesday I'm surrounded by a table of multimillionaires who have what we want. And that's what I wanted for him at the camps is like, when else are you going to be around this? Like, you're not going to be around that Monday through Friday in your office because that's not what the life these people are living, you know? And that was the biggest push for me. And my husband had actually just finished Chad's book, you know, Retire Early with Real Estate. And I was like, you can meet him in person. (laughs) Yeah, it was a failing. But we compromised. And like two weeks later, we went to our local Jacksonville Choose FI group. And the first couple he met was like, oh, we just got back from camp. And it was awesome. And he was like, I know, Christy, we should have been there. So he's compromised. He's broke out of his shell to go to the local meetups. And I think now he sees the power of camp besides just playing basketball with Chad Carson. Tara, questions for us, things you've been dying to ask? Well, one of my questions would be in relations to you going down on your hours and especially after the lecture you gave on interpersonal relationships with your patients and getting to know them on a a more acute personal level, how have they felt with you pulling back? Have they noticed? Has there been any gruff? Have they switched providers because you're not around? How has that affected your workflow with them? So I actually left my practice. So I had home-based patients, nursing home patients, and then I was doing hospice work. So my home-based patients, I stopped doing my home-based practice and I set them up with a local doctor I had worked with in the past. And I had the range of reactions. Some people were angry, some people were sad, and then some people were ready for someone new probably. Nursing home patients, kind of the same thing. Some of them I think were really sad to see me leave. But I tried to make sure I provided a covering doc who could do a lot of the same things so that I could focus my time on doing hospice only. So now I am a medical director of a hospice and I cover five teams, mostly nursing home, but some outpatient. And I don't do as much direct patient care. Mostly I advise nurses, chaplains, social workers, et cetera. This was an intentional change. I've been working nonstop in medicine since going to medical school. And I was ready to let go of some of the stress uh, and sadness. And that, you know, it's a decision. It's a a very, very hard decision. I will tell you, it's been three or four months now, and I haven't been missing it. I still get to practice medicine because I'm still helping answer clinical questions for the patients, but I don't have as much stress about seeing them. But it's part of my identity. And you grow and you change. And I'm at this point in my career where I've done as much good as I think I can really do in medicine, and I'm okay with that. Christy, questions for Paul or I or about the podcast in general? I guess my question would be for Paul regarding real estate. Like, is your wife involved? And another one would be, 
do you have any plans like for your children and your real estate, like yes. when they're old enough? Yes, for sure. So great question. So my wife is not involved. She has does not have the temperament for it, nor the interest. Uh, she tried briefly. She went to a couple of re meetings with me and it's just not her personality. Uh, she tried to take some calls from motivated sellers and she felt so bad for them that she would just fall over herself apologizing for having bothered <laughs> sending them a letter. It's just not for her. So she's not involved, but she's very supportive. I mean, I had to take a lot of extra time to build my portfolio and it does take time if you're doing it the way me and Chad tend to do it in the way most, you know, kind of we buy houses type buyers go about doing it. You know, it, it takes time because you're finding di- properties at a discount and you're not just buying what's, what's available on the MLS. As far as the children, I have not had much success getting them interested yet, but they definitely are aware of what I do and that I don't have a traditional job anymore. And they refer to me as being a real estater and you know, okay, we'll, we'll work with that. And we give them um, money uh, intentionally and we give them the rights to be able to spend it their way they want to. I use a service called FAMZU to keep track of all that. And yes, they have self-directed IRAs and they have assets in their IRAs that they are roughly aware of, but they're 11 and 8, so they don't quite okay. get it. In fact, I buy properties in their IRAs names and by the time they graduate, that will be able to be their college fund. That's definitely one of our plans whenever we finally have kids is to do it, like you said, in their IRA. I'll do a little plug. There's this thing, a fairly advanced strategy, but it's worth looking into. It's called inherited Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. And I will be doing on my real estate podcast, I'll be talking about those quite a bit. So All right, I just gotcha. started listening to that. Gotcha. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole, there's a huge opportunity in inherited Roth IRAs. Well, I'd like to go back to you recommended FAMZOO a couple episodes back mm-hmm. and I typically will not pay for anything. And I actually paid for FAMZOO for the year. It has completely changed the way my daughter and I talk about money and her money specifically. I mean, we go to the store and she's like, I want this. I'm like, cool, totally buy that. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that my money or your money? I'm like, totally your money. Take it, buy it. You should have it. You deserve it. And then she stands there for 20 minutes and thinks about it. And she's only eight years old. And her follow-up question always is, mom, if I don't buy this today, what will my interest be at the first of the month? And I'm like, that is a great question. Let me get my calculator out and I will tell you. And then she just stews about it. And it has made her so much more thoughtful on how much she wants to buy, how much she wants to waste. She's more thoughtful when we go to tables where they're giving away free junk because she's like, that's going to go to Trash Island and someone had to pay money for that. And that's not going to be in their bank account anymore. It has really changed our dynamic and I'm so thoughtful or so thankful for you to have mentioned it because it never crossed my mind to set up an account like that. And she has just thrived on it. All right, Evelyn, you are going to get the final question here. Any question for Paul or I or about the podcast? I just wanted to give a compliment first. I just wanted to say I love the great questions. I think they're thought provoking. You know, I love that you always have a diverse panel and it's always interesting and there's always honest, you know, thoughtful discussion. So I just wanted to let you know how much it's appreciated. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is I'd like to hear a little more about Paul's book. Oh man, that is a perfect plug. Thank you, Evelyn. So today's, we're recording this on April 15th and we'll release this probably next week. So it, and it is now live. My ebook is live. And then next week, the, the actual physical copy, you can order that on Amazon as well. The idea behind the book is called Escape, Your Money Mindset 
to freedom. It's this idea of choosing abundance by making a couple of key decisions about money in your mindset. And it's not abundance, it's not having money, it's the mindset that you have abundance. And then when you decide to invest, you invest on one of three paths to get to the side of abundance to have financial freedom. And that is stocks, real estate, or starting a business. And there is not one right answer. You have to find one that fits your personality and you can change over time. I started with stocks, I've went to real estate, and now I do a business. And so I have a little bit of everything right now, but that's my choice. And I went in that order. Some people go in other orders and that's the idea and the spirit behind the book. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. All right. So let's give you guys a chance to let us know what is up next in your life and where we can find you. Are you on Facebook? What's your call sign? And let us know if you are thinking about doing a blog. Christy? You can find me over on Choose FI's Facebook group. I'm pretty active over there. And like I said, I'm a moderator. And hopefully what's up next for us is my husband (laughs) quitting his job. And we've talked about going to spend about six weeks in Hawaii or doing a road trip, something like that, and then focusing on starting our own business and hopefully a podcast not related to personal finance, but about sports and traveling. I love that. Yes. Yes. All right, Brett, how about you? Where can we find you? Uh, What is up next? And are you thinking about creating content? What's up next for us is we are moving this summer out to the West Coast and we're taking up new full-time positions and we're really looking forward to starting a new journey, some uh, exciting times up ahead, of course, some transitional times, but we're really excited about it. And content-wise, you know, right now I'm focusing on taking in content, but I thought about starting a blog. In fact, I got to my WordPress site and all that and I'm trying to figure it out and it looks awful. There's a couple of words scribbled on it in plain you know, text and it just looks awful, but maybe someday uh, I'll try to get that up and running. It does take time. Certainly no pressure from us. What I've found is that you're always creating content and it's whether or not you actually share it with anybody. Tara, how about you? We know where, where you live, but where can we find you online? And what is up next for you? What's up next for me is I will continue to work on a website that is specifically for kids that wet the bed. It's a bedwetting.support. I have a superpower as neurology with kids and getting them dry at night. And so that's where I put a lot of up-to-date research to help kids achieve dryness. That was the first side hustle I thought of when Choose FI mentioned starting your own blog. And then I'm currently working on developing a website for our travel agency, 402vacations.com. We specialize in building Disney vacations because I'm a Disney enthusiast. I love Mickey. And you guys can find me. I uh, moderate a group, RN to Wealthy, on Facebook to help get more nurses together to talk about money and build their portfolio in a way that is more specific to nurses and the dynamics that we have in our careers. Well, it certainly sounds like you're going to be staying busy with that extra time that you've taken off. So good, good for you. Thanks for coming out. All right, Evelyn, how about you? What's up next for you and where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Evelyn Brooks. I am uh, still working on a book that I had uh, started a while back and kind of put aside. So uh, my plan is to complete that book. I also have some new product ideas. So I'm going to, you know, go with it and see where it takes me. I will have that empty nest in the fall. So it's almost like I have a whole, you know, open uh, canvas you know, to really uh, paint with. So I feel like there are a lot of options for me.
This has been the listener takeover of the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Evelyn, Christy, Tara, and Brett. That's a wrap. Like FAMZU. Yeah. Oh my God, this is so helpful. <laughs> this is so great. I'm going to Camp Five Midwest, and I'm one of the speakers, and I am going to rap. Oh, that's gonna be so <laughs> I've already figured out what my talk is going to be, and the end there is going to be a rap. Oh, that's so great! Thank you. <laughs> Can't even miss that. Well, I, my husband will be super excited to spend another ten or our eleven-year anniversary at a convent. So I'm a horrible person. <laughs> so. To your husband, but not everybody else. Yeah, right. Everybody else is doing great. Sense. Our eyes met and it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> Chad Carson and Physician on Fire. And we watched Physicians on Fire's two young kids sprint ahead of us. Physician on Fire and his kids did a 10K, but Chad and I did a 5K. So, so it, it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, Chad, I did a 0K. Yeah, yeah. You slipped in. Yeah. It was raining. Why would you do that? <laughs> It was a lot. It was a lot of fun, and then I didn't feel so guilty drinking beer the rest of the day. So it all worked out. We really need to get an affiliate link for that for that service. It is really good. Oh, so your area code four zero two? It is. I couldn't. I'm not thoughtful in that way. Yeah. I'm not creative. Well, that's my, one of the names of, of one of my websites is uh, buyhouses five hundred one dot com. Perfect. It's perfect. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here.